Well, Merry Christmas. I hope all of you had a wonderful day yesterday, whether it was a quiet day at home or you were with a lot of family. I know that Christmas is a special day that we all look forward to. And today and next Sunday are your annual reminders that even though December 25th has passed, Christmas for Christian continues until January 6th. So we have 10 more days to enjoy our beautiful decorations, to sing Christmas songs, and even to watch a few more Christmas movies. Generally speaking, I'm not a movie person, and my husband Micah lovingly says it's one of my greatest faults, as he would watch a movie every day if he could. He loves movies. He loves it. But really the reason that he and I don't watch a lot of movies together is that we like totally different genres of movie. I like romantic comedies, emotional dramas, or even a documentary, while he prefers the action, sci-fi, fantasy genres, and the two do not overlap much. But a genre of movies that we do both really enjoy are the Christmas movies. We love the classics like The Santa Claus, Elf, The Christmas Story. Um, Let's see, what else? We watch the Rudolph, the claymation movies, the story of Santa Claus. But there is a line that he will draw in the sand. Christmas movies he will not watch with me. And those are the Hallmark-esque Christmas movies that I do love. You know the ones. They almost exclusively go something like this. A big city girl returns home after becoming single, after she's been with the wrong guy for years. She's coming home either to save the family business or perhaps take care of sick parents. And while there, she falls in love unexpectedly and magically with a guy who wears plaid. Maybe he's a single dad. They get engaged on Christmas morning with the snow falling underneath the stars, and everyone throws them a giant engagement party. You know the movies. We've all seen them. They're so predictable and formulaic and cheesy, and that is why Micah will not watch them with me. But I find comfort in these movies, not just during Christmas time, but throughout the year, because they kind of transport me into a Christmas utopia. I know that it's not real life, and you know, there is always something that'll go wrong in the movie. There will be some sort of drama or some hiccup But we always know those movies are going to end with everything merry and bright. I think for the same reason that I find comfort in these cheesy movies is the reason that most people love Christmas time, because it does seem to bring up a different spirit about people. We are more generous and intentional and thoughtful this time of year than perhaps we are any other time of year. We go out of our way to buy gifts for people, to send cards, just letting people know that we're thinking about them. We make sweet treats for people and checks mix, and we do all of this because it's just what you do during Christmas time. It's the spirit of Christmas. And as Christians, we take it even a step further as we come each week before Christmas for four weeks and we slowly light these candles. We remember the journey to Bethlehem with Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the womb, and we celebrate the hope, the peace, the joy and love that Jesus has brought into the world at Christmas time. 
You know, in Luke's gospel, the spirit of Christmas, it not only lingers after Jesus is born, but it grows stronger and stronger and stronger as people begin to understand what this gift means, who this baby is, and how he is already changing the world. Our scripture today, it begins with the Holy Family traveling to Jerusalem with eight-day-old Jesus to do what was necessary by the law. He has to be circumcised, Mary has to be purified, and they must dedicate him to the Lord. So picture it with me, this brand new family of three, exhausted and tired, having already made a 90-mile trek to Bethlehem, they travel again to Jerusalem with an eight-day-old baby on a camel or a donkey. I mean, just think about how amazing this is. And it's their first child. They probably haven't slept much, but they're there because it's what God has called them to do, and they are faithful Jewish people. And so when they come inside the temple, they encounter this man named Simeon. Luke tells us that Simeon was a righteous and devout man that had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Messiah with his own eyes. And so we see that in this moment, Simeon sees this couple coming in with this young baby, and he knows somehow that this is the promised Messiah, the long-awaited one. And I always wonder, how many days do you think he had been coming to the temple? How long had he been waiting for this promise to be fulfilled? And how did he know that the baby was the Messiah? Of all the other babies coming to be dedicated to the Lord, how did he know But when he sees the baby, he scoops him out of Mary or Joseph's arms, the stranger, and sings this song of praise to God about how God has dismissed him in peace and that this baby will be a light to all people. There's another person of faith in this story, a wise 84-year-old woman named Anna. Again, she's been in the temple for an undisclosed amount of time. We learn that she was married for seven years before her husband died, and yet her faith remained through it all. She was a prophet who, when she saw Jesus in the temple that day after his birth, she went out and told everybody about this good news, that the redemption of Israel was here in this little child. Simeon and Anna affirm that from eight days old, Jesus was already changing the world by bringing hope peace, joy, and love into the temple. And while the story of Simeon and Anna receiving Jesus in the temple as one of joy and celebration, there are some dark undertones in the passage that seem to kind of contradict the happy celebration that we're seeing in this story. After blessing the parents and singing praises over this child, Simeon says to Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. What a strange and ominous thing to say to this brand new mother about this beautiful baby boy that has already started changing the world. But Simeon was a man of faith. And he knew that the birth of Jesus would cause significant opposition for the people of Israel and for Mary personally as the mother. Simeon wasn't the only one who could see this truth about Jesus. In Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, which Sterling will preach about next week, 
we read that King Herod was so threatened by this newborn king that he tried to have him killed. He sent the wise men to kill the baby. The wise men decided not to do it. King Herod got angry again and said, you know what, let's just kill all of the babies in Bethlehem that are under two. It didn't work. God saved the baby. They hid away from Herod until he died. But Herod, too, was so threatened by what this baby meant, what he was bringing into the world. Even Mary knew that this baby would ruffle some feathers as he came to save the world. After, vi- after the visit from the angel Gabriel, Mary sang a song that we call the Magnificat. She knew that the baby she was carrying would cast down the powerful and raise up the lowly. He would fill the hungry with good things and send the rich away empty. What is happening here? What type of eight-year-old baby, what other eight-year-old baby could cause all of this to happen? When we take a closer look and we really think about what's happening here in the incarnation, we see that this baby being born, the birth of Jesus, is the inbreaking of the kingdom of God on earth. The creator, redeemer, and sustainer of everything that there is and everything that will be has come to earth as a human to live, to teach, to dwell, and to show us the way. Jesus came to give us glimpses of the kingdom of God, a kingdom where the mournful rejoice, where the meek will inherit the earth, where the poor are rich, and where peace and justice reign over anything else. Because God's kingdom is so different from what we're used to on earth, this inbreaking brought a tension of sorts for Mary, for Simeon could see it coming, Herod could see it coming, and this tension is that we can sort of see what heaven is going to be like one day through the birth of Jesus. He's already bringing these amazing gifts to us, and so we can, it's like a foretaste, a glimpse. We can see what it'll be like, but also we're still on earth. We still see injustice and pain and hardship And so we're living in the tension of the two. And this is what Simeon was warning Mary about. He said, this gift, yes, this is good news of great joy for all the people, just as the angels proclaimed. And it's going to be really hard for him. It's going to be a tough life. We see the shadow of the cross, even here in this birth story. But what is amazing is that while we wait here to experience the fullness of God in the kingdom of God in eternity, we have been given these gifts. Because when Jesus came, something of heaven touched earth for the first time and has remained on earth as the Spirit of God lives in and among us and between us. So we remember during Advent these gifts that our world desperately needs. We need hope to meet us in moments of despair. We need peace to meet us in our controversies and in our fear. We need joy to meet our grief our apathy, and we need love to meet us in our disappointments. Life is rarely as predictable and simple as those Hallmark movies. Everything is not always merry and bright. Being a Christian and living on earth means that we will experience that tension that Simeon knows from eight days old. And the thing for us is that we do know what happens at the end of the story. We know that the sword that pierces Mary's side is when Jesus is crucified, 
but we also know that Jesus rose again. But as people who know the story, who know the ending, which will be happy, we do have to get through the middle part while we're here. Being equipped with the very Spirit of God, these gifts that we have been given can help motivate us and sustain us on our way. The presence of this long-expected baby granted peace to Simeon, peace even among the opposition he knew would come. As the angels proclaimed, this is good news of great joy. One day we will enter the kingdom of God in its fullness, and for now we have these signs and symbols that point us on our way. Christmas Day may be over, but God is still moving and working to save the world. So as you sing Christmas songs, as you eat leftover Christmas food, as you watch a few more Christmas movies, remember that the spirit of Christmas is not contained only to Christmas Day. The spirit of Christmas is what connects us when we are apart. It is what gives us hope in moments of despair and hardship. It is what gives us peace when life feels rocky and uncertain. The spirit of Christmas is the knowledge that God loved us so much that he gave his only son that one day, if we believe, we will spend eternity with him in the kingdom of God. May we boldly proclaim that the spirit of Christmas is here today and throughout the whole year. In the name of God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.